So if you have a Bible, let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24, and I'm gonna be reading from verses 44 through 49. I'm gonna read from the New King James Version of the Bible. Luke 24, verses 44, I'm sorry, I'm reading from the NIV. The NIV. This is what the Bible says. It says, he said to them, Jesus said, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for, for, the, for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, you are all witnesses of these things. He says, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you today for power from on high. We thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, today that you didn't leave us without a comforter, you didn't leave us without an advocate, and you didn't leave us without power. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. amen. Hey, first question, is there anybody in here today who needs the power of God in their life? Come on, make a little bit of noise if you need the power of God in your life. Amen. I, I really, I really do too. I want to, I want to, I want to start out by, by answering maybe a question that many of you have. I know because we are a non-denominational church that I can't expect everyone in the room today to understand where I came from, why I believe what I believe, why I say what I say, how I even interpret the scripture and how I preach and what I preach. I can't expect that because some of you, you know, in this room today, not only are we racially diverse, but we are also doctrinally diverse. We, we are a non-denominational church, and that means that we, we don't all prescribe to the same uh, denominational way of thinking. And I personally am that way. There are, there are parts of Pentecostal theology that I, I believe in. There are parts of Presbyterian theology that I believe in. There are parts of Lutheran theology that I believe in. Um, and I, so I'm myself, I personally am non-denominational. Not only is the church non-denominational, but, but I am. And the, the way I want to approach this subject, the past two weeks have not been very controversial. But it's about to get kind of controversial because I, I, I want you to, to understand, though, that the way I'm teaching this is not uh, if, you, if you don't listen to me and you don't do what I say, and you don't believe like me, then you need to find another church. The way I'm teaching this is from my personal perspective and experience and the way I interpret the Bible. And what I want you to understand is if you disagree with me after the sermon today or you disagree with me next week, that as long as we believe that Jesus is God's son, that he rose from the dead, that he ascended into heaven and he's coming back again. Like we can go to church together. Because we're not gonna make, we're not gonna make this issue the issue. We're gonna, we're gonna put Jesus in the center and in the forefront. Matter of fact, the Bible said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's gonna testify of me. In other words, he's not gonna do his own thing, he's gonna tell y'all about Jesus. And so I, I don't want us to be divided. Matter of fact, the Holy Spirit was actually given to the church to unite the church. But isn't it an amazing thing how we've taken what was given to us to unite us and we've actually used that to separate? Man, we're good at that, aren't we, as human beings? We're good at finding places of division. But let's be, 
Let's be committed as a church to find the places that we agree so that we can work together and do what God has called us to do in this city. And we don't get caught up in fighting over doctrine, but we get caught up in fighting over the lost souls, the people that are without God, without hope in this community. Can somebody say amen? Okay. But I do need to talk about this because I do believe that we need the power of God in our lives. And I do believe that not only does the Holy Spirit reside in us at conversion when we believe in Jesus, but I do believe that the Holy Spirit empowers us for special works as we are walking along in our life. Not just once, not just twice, but three, four, five, six, multiple times over our lives, I believe that the Holy Spirit encounters us. And not only does he live in us, but the Bible teaches us that he baptizes us in his presence. So I wanted to answer this question first because I know this might be a concern of some people in the room. If I'm saved, but I haven't experienced what happened in the book of Acts, and in particular, Acts chapter two, or if I'm saved, but I haven't spoken in tongues, I haven't prophesied, I haven't operated in a spiritual gift, does that mean the Holy Spirit doesn't live in me? Oh man, I want to encourage you today. The Holy Spirit lives in you when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. He comes in and he takes residence on the inside of you. Romans 8 and 16 says that the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. One of the jobs of the Holy Ghost is to convince you that you're saved. That's one of his jobs is to just tell you, hey, I don't feel like a son of God. And the Holy Spirit says, you are a son. You are a daughter of God. That's one of his main roles. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, watch this, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. He said, when you believed in him, you were marked with a seal. The Holy Spirit took up residence in your life. He was deposited in your life. Romans 8 and 11 says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Watch this. This is a very important scripture and very, time, very often goes overlooked. John chapter 20, 19 through 23. On the evening at the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he said, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And watch this. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if they didn't have the Holy Spirit until the book of Acts, in Acts 2, then what happened here? The Holy Spirit took up residence in believers. That's what the Bible is teaching you. But also what the Bible is teaching us that there is something that happens to us called the baptism of the Holy Spirit that is not just when the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, but when he gives you and empowers you and anoints you with gifts to do the work of God, particularly to evangelize and tell other people about Jesus. There's a special empowerment that comes on our lives. It's not just something that happens in our subconscious. It's not just something that happens and we're like, oh, it happened in my heart. No, it's something that is real. And every time you see it happening in the book of Acts, it is felt. 
not just by the people that it's happening to, but by the people that are watching what is happening and actually the rooms that it is happening in. In Acts chapter four, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit invaded a room and that the room that they were in was shaken with the power of the Holy Ghost. So I'm asking you this morning, is there anybody in this room that wants more than just to be saved and get your ticket punched and go to heaven, but you want this special empowerment that gives you the ability to do what you cannot naturally do on your own? It's a power that shakes the walls. It's a power that makes people take notice, and it's a power that changes your life forever, forever. So the Spirit of God lives in us at conversion but the Spirit of God also falls on us for power. Jesus said in Luke 24, 49, we just read it, but I wanna repeat it to you. He said, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed from, with power from on high. Acts 1 and 8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The very term baptized in the Holy Spirit implies an immersion in the life of the Spirit. It's the same terminology that is used when it says baptized in water. You're fully immersed in the water. Some of you have been baptized in this tank. Anybody in this room, you've been baptized right there in that tank right there? Now, what happened to you when you went in that tank? You went in it with your clothes dry, but when you got out, your clothes were wet. It was very clear to everybody around you that you had been in water. Does anybody agree with that? <laughs> Has anybody ever gotten into the pool and the clothes that you got into the pool with, and when you got out of the pool, those clothes were still dry? No. Because when you get baptized in water, you get wet. It's what the Bible is speaking of when it says you baptized in the spirit. It is something that is felt. It is felt in your emotions. It is felt in your physical being. There have been people throughout scripture, throughout history, who have been touched by the presence of God and they have shaken. It's in the Bible. There have been people who have been touched by the presence of God and their bodies healed. There have been people who have been touched by the Holy Spirit and they have fallen on the floor. There have been people who have been touched by the Holy Spirit and they have done non-biblical things as well. And can I talk about that for just a second? Because I believe that whatever the Spirit of God does in a person's life can be found in the Scriptures. I don't believe that you manifest something of the Spirit and you say, oh, the Spirit is on me, and you do something that's contrary to what the Bible says. Can somebody say amen? Does anybody remember uh, back in the 90s, there was, uh, there was this movement. It was, it was called the Renewal, and there was, it, was, it came from Toronto, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Can you raise your hand like I feel like I'm the only Pentecostal nerd in the room today? But uh, if you're here and you're not Pentecostal, this might freak you out. If you're a Catholic, you're like, nothing freaks me out. You should see an exorcism. <laughs> like, okay, okay, so I get it. <laughs> I get it. But for me, this, is, this was one of the craziest things I ever saw in church, and it really turned me off for, for a time to, to the gifts of the Spirit because I saw people misusing and saying stuff was the Holy Spirit that wasn't the Holy Spirit. And there were very genuine things that were happening. There was a movement that happened in Toronto, people, very genuine things. But in this movement, there, was, there, there, were, there were a couple things that were happening that, that just weren't found in the Bible. One of them was 
people started to bark like, like a dog. Does anybody remember this? Like, yeah, y'all remember that? Yeah, help me out, y'all, some of y'all. And some of y'all are like, I know what he's talking about, but I'm not gonna act like I was ever, <laughs> I was ever there. I never attended one of those meetings. So they, 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 they would bark like animals. Well, one night, we were experiencing some of the overflow of what God was doing in the earth, and so we were having meetings like every night for, for a few weeks. And one night, somebody in the church uh, is, is prophesying, and somebody's, they've been touched by God, and they're shaking, Bible. Another person's touched by God, they're speaking in tongues, Bible. Another person uh, prophesied, Bible. Another person was preaching with boldness, Bible. But then all of a sudden, somebody started to bark, like literally like, ruff, ruff. This is too much for some of y'all. Like, what? Where am I today? Am I in the twilight zone? I thought I went to Calvary. Well, this this was happening, and and as soon as it happened, my dad was my dad at this time. He was he was our pastor, and and he was cool. He was everything's cool. And then it happened, and immediately I could see something change on his face and he was like, not here. And he got up and he grabbed the microphone and he shut that down because he was like, listen, whatever we do, we are gonna be able to look and find it in the Bible or we are not gonna do it. So I need you to understand, I believe in the power of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit, but if it's not in the Bible, we're not gonna do it here. Can somebody say? Amen. <laughs> but it's felt. It's felt in our emotions. It's felt in our soul. It's felt in our physical bodies. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 and 5 and verse 8, he said, you shall receive power and you shall be my witnesses. So power comes not necessarily to give you a gift, but to make you a gift. First of all, the power of God comes to make you a, a witness, Amen. to give you boldness, yes. to share your faith. Amen. That's, That's literally what Jesus was talking about. And the gifts come as signs. The gifts come as signs to say, hey, God might be actually using that person to talk to me. Yes. The gifts come, and we're gonna talk about tongues and prophecy, but just for a second, the gifts come if you're with a person who doesn't speak your language and God gifts you with tongues and you begin to speak in tongues and somebody begins to understand. I've, I've heard stories of people, not just in church, but this, see, what has happened with the gifts is they've become something that we just operate in in church and they were never really intended for the church service. They were more intended as a sign in particular tongues. The Bible says tongues is a sign to the unbeliever. It'd be a sign to an unbeliever if you're walking down the street and you're praising God and all of a sudden a person who speaks a different language hears you praising God and you're not speaking their language. It'd be a sign. It's a sign. It's like, whoa, God's using you. How are you? <laughs> you're, from, you're from East Tennessee. How are you speaking French when you didn't but I'm, I'm, just, I'm just praising God. But I hear you. Prophecy, and, and you're talking to somebody, and you, God reveals something to you, and, and you say, listen, I, I don't know you, and I, I don't know really what's going on, but I feel like God is, and they go, oh my gosh. 
God's using you. That's why the gifts come. That's why the gifts come. They don't, they don't come so that we can have good church services. They come so that we can be witnesses and demonstrate the power of God in the earth so that people will look at us and say, wow, God is really using you. That's why. It's, a, it's an experience. It's an experience of his power. It's an experience of victory. It's an experience of victory, not just over life, but over, over sin. It's, it's power to do what God has called us to do. It's power. And it doesn't just happen once. See, there was, there was the initial outpouring in Acts chapter two, but that same group of people, they were actually gathered in Acts chapter four in another place. And those same people were filled with the Holy Spirit again. And this time they didn't speak in tongues. This time they preached the word of God with boldness. So this is what I want you to understand today. The Spirit of God doesn't just come to give you one gift and then you got that gift and you're just like, look at my gift. No, the Spirit of God comes to empower you for different situations of life. See, you, you, maybe you're here today and you're thinking that all of the spiritual gifts that God gives are these, are, are these things that are, that, that are hard to understand and things that you've never done before, like speaking in tongues or prophesy. But many of them are, are what God empowers you to do supernaturally that you don't do naturally. For instance, what I'm doing right now, this is not natural for me. There are some people that can get up and they can, they can share with people and it's natural. They're just gifted communicators. There are some people that are just gifted to administrate and they get details and they understand all of that stuff. But there are some of us in this room that when we got up to, to, do, to, to, to read in front of our classes in high school, we had panic attacks and me in particular ran out of a classroom just trying to read off some three by five cards. I couldn't hold my hands, like I couldn't hold the paper. I'm, 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 I'm breathing and, and I'm just talking about Thomas Jefferson. Like I'm not even like, and I'm just reading. I'm not even, this is, I wasn't doing this. Can, can, you, can you imagine what this would look like if it was really truly Robbie Hilton operating in his gift right now? His natural gift. But what is happening right now, what you're experiencing right now is a gift of the Spirit. This is not natural for me. So, so what, we, what we believe is that God supernaturally gives us to do what we cannot do on our own. That's what we believe. It's more than just speaking in an unknown tongue. It's more than just prophesying. It's, it's look at this. It's gifts like administration. It's gifts like service, wisdom, knowledge. It's gifts like mercy, encouragement. Some of you are not naturally encouragement. So for you to tell somebody else that, hey, you look good today, that's not in your comfort zone. Hey, you, hey, wow, what a great, what a great, what a great message or what a great song. Or man, you sing, that's not in your natural comfort zone, but you do it not because you're naturally able to do it. You do it because you've been empowered by the Spirit of God to do it. So we need to begin to recognize that God wants to empower us to do what we cannot naturally do. That's why the gifts of the Spirit are available to us. It doesn't just happen once, it happens often. And it happens for many different reasons. Like you could be in a situation right now where you need the gift, the supernatural gift of administration. 
Because you're not administrative. I'm not administrative. Can you imagine leading a church this big and you hate details? <laughs> hate them. I can't stand them, but my, my team will tell you. Like, I never talk about them, but if they get me in a room and we begin to talk about something, I start to see stuff that nobody else in the room sees. Why? Because <laughs> it's, it's a gift from God. It's not me. Like, my wife can ask me, like, a detail about the house or something. When we build our house, do you know how many things I got involved in? None. I didn't pick a carpet color. I didn't pick a paint color. I didn't pick the faucet. I didn't, I didn't pick the sink. I didn't pick the style. I didn't pick a cupboard. I didn't pick, the sh I didn't pick anything. I didn't pick the doors on the garage. I, I didn't pick the floor in my, I didn't pick nothing. Why? I hate details. But God supernaturally can gift you with the ability to administrate. Some of you need to ask God for the ability to serve. Yeah. Serving is a gift that God gives because some of us are not naturally tuned into serving. And there, there's some people in your life, it's like, golly, they're just always serving. And you can't stand yourself because you, you're like, there's so much better than me. <laughs> I can't serve like that. There's no reason to get mad at yourself. Just ask God to gift you. God, give me the gift of service. I want to be able to serve like that. I'm not naturally made that way. I didn't, I didn't come out of the womb wanting to help other people. <laughs> help me. Do what you've called me to do. I need the power of God supernaturally. This is what I believe. I believe this because there are some that teach that the gifts have ceased. So in other words, that that the gifts stopped because the early church got off the ground and they needed all of that stuff in the early church. They, they had no organization. They, they had no, no titles. They had, they had none of that stuff was going. They had no, no, uh, no power. Give. They needed something to get the church going. And once the church got going, now we're just, we're just we don't need the gifts of the spirit because we've got the gifts of men. Wow, that's, that's a great place to be, isn't it? Wow, that's, that's disappointing. But 1 Corinthians 12 and 31 teaches us that we should desire the gifts. We should desire to, to have the most helpful gifts. 1 Corinthians 14 and 1 says, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. First of all, notice that he says, let love be your highest goal. The highest aim of Christianity is love. It's not to prophesy, it's not to speak in tongues, it's not to be gifted, it's to love people. Let love be your highest goal. There are a lot of people that have, uh, have prophesied, but they're mean. Who cares if you can prophesy, if you're mean? I could care less. Who cares if you could, like Paul, speak with the tongue amended of angels, but you are mean. That's not what God wants for your life. And so many churches have got caught up so focused on the gifts that they have forgotten this thing called love, which is what it's all about. Jesus said, this is your highest goal. This is your highest aim. He said, but watch this. You should also desire the gifts of the Spirit. See, so many times in Christianity, we, 
We have such an either or mindset. And this is what's caused so much division. This is why there are they're, a hundred churches within a one mile radius. I mean, it, because, because, because for most, most people it's become either or, either you or. But do you realize that God is most of the time both and? He says, hey, love should be your highest goal, but listen, you should desire the things of the spirit. It's both and. It's love and gifts. In the Old Testament, the Bible says that the priest, that the bottom of their garment was hemmed with fruit, with a pomegranate and a bell. And it would, they would alternate, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate, bell. Why? Because God wants you to have both fruit and gifts. And the fruit tempers the gift. Because if it was just all bells... It would be stupid loud. <laughs> but because there's fruit in between the bell, it tempers the gift. God, I don't want you to be all gifts. I don't want you to be just love. I want love to be your highest goal. But man, you should desire Amen. the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> Paul taught that we have different gifts according to the grace given to us in proportion to our faith. Romans 12 and 6. Let me give you, let me give you, can I just give you a list of spiritual gifts? Because maybe you're wondering like, have I ever been used in a spiritual gift? Maybe you have and you just don't realize it because everybody told you that the only way you know if you got the spirit is if you speak in tongues. And I just came to tell you that's not true. It's just not true. People were used in so many different other things. There's about five times where it talks about people being filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And, and, and it, Tongues happens three times, but prophecy also happens. There's two times where tongues aren't even mentioned. So you can't create a doctrine that says that tongues are the only gift that proved that you have the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what proves you have the Holy Ghost. Put your faith in Jesus. Okay. Bless the Lord. I can feel the Pentecostals just kind of getting shifty in their seats right now. Daggum, he better, he better speak in tongues before this is over. I won't even believe that preacher's got the spirit, I tell you. <laughs> the gifts are found in about three different passages in the New Testament, Romans 12 and one, or Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 and Ephesians chapter four. The lists are not all identical, but they overlap. So according to 1 Corinthians 12 and 6, God pours out the power. Jesus assigns the ministry and the Holy Spirit gives the gifts as he determines necessary. And we kind of organize them. This is how I grew up kind of organizing them and understood organizing them three different ways. First one was establishing gifts. Ephesians 4 and 11, 1 Corinthians 12 and 29, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These gifts are used primarily for planting and growing churches. Second category would be like supporting gifts. Romans 12, six through eight, prophecy, service, teaching, encouragement, giving, administration, leadership, mercy. Do you know mercy is a gift? These gifts are primarily used to organize and administrate the church so that it can carry out its responsibilities. And then there's ministry gifts. Some call them like the power gifts. And this is the, where the emphasis has been on, but these are not the only ones. 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, 
verses 27 through 31 as well. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, helps, administration, leadership, distinguishing or discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpreting tongues. These are tools that the Holy Spirit utilizes for the ongoing ministry of the church. And 1 Corinthians 14 and 40 says that all of those things better be done decently and in order. And 1 Corinthians 14 37 says that all of those things should be submitted to God's word. Again, we're not gonna do it if it's not in the Bible. And the leadership of the church. I'm asking you to stand with me. Today I wanted to create an awareness and an expectation in your heart. For some of you, an awareness because I think many of you have potentially avoided a life immersed in the Holy Spirit because of fear of what you've seen, because of the abuse from maybe a previous experience. So you, isn't it like us to when we, when we are hurt in an area to completely go the opposite direction? And instead of finding some sort of balance, we find ourselves completely on the outside looking in and it's like, I don't really, I don't mess with that anymore. I don't. And I, I, I want you to be aware of maybe where you are when it comes to the gifts of the spirit. Encounters with God. Believing that God could move in your life in such a way that it's not just something that you sense in your subconscious like, oh man, yeah. But you feel it in your body. I don't think we should overestimate the power of a goosebump, but I also don't think we should underestimate the power of feeling God on our skin and the back of our neck. You know, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't wanna over it. Like, I don't wanna be like, it's all that because it's not, but it's, it's, it's some of that. I, I don't wanna overstate that the experiences that we have are the indicators that the Holy Spirit is with us because we understand that when our feelings fail us, right, his word will sustain us. We're not getting caught up in feeling, we're, but we do understand that we serve a God who cares about our emotions, who cares about how we feel, who wants us to be able to feel him. When he came into that room with his disciples, he, he came into the room and the Bible says that he said, I want you to touch, touch my hands, look, like look, feel me. God wants us to feel him. I mean, it's, we're living in, in the era where we don't get to see Jesus physically. But thank God that he still allows us to feel his presence in the room to the point where it affects us. It makes us cry. It, it makes us shake. It makes us feel like this tension, it makes us feel like God is in the room. I remember my dad saying the day he got saved that he felt so much like the presence of God was in the car with him that he was afraid to open his eyes and look because he knew he would see something that would just blow his mind. 
And I believe God wants to do that for you. So I want you to be aware where you have eliminated that from your life. And I want you to, if you still believe that, I want you to create now expectation in your heart. I want you to be aware of where you stand with the Holy Ghost. And I want you to be creating now expectation in your heart. Well, God, if you're doing that, if you're still gifting people, if you're still moving and your power is still available, then I want to experience and I want to expect to experience his presence. I want to develop an expectation that when I come into your presence, I'm going to feel you there. When I come into your presence, you're going to hear my prayers. When I come into your presence, you're going to respond in the moment, not days later, but in the moment. I'm going to know you're around me. I'm going to know you're with me. I'm going to know you hear me. I create an expectation in your heart for the moving of God's spirit. He doesn't want to just live in you. He wants to fall on you. He wants to clothe you. You would know if you had clothing, if you experienced a garment exchange right now, you would know it. If somebody came and put a jacket on you right now, you would feel it. God says, that's what I want to do for you. I don't want to just live in your heart. I don't want to just be in your thought life. I want to be in your felt life. And one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to bring into reality the promises of God, the Word of God, and the presence of God. God says, I want you to be aware that I'm not just in here. I'm on you. I'm with you. I want people to see the difference, but I want you to know the difference as well. Amen. Well, can you throw your hands up in the room today and just say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Maybe you're in this room today and you, you're going through something and you need, you need some supernatural ability. You're going through something and you need supernatural mercy. You need supernaturally the gift of giving. You need supernaturally to be able to teach. You need supernaturally healing. You need supernaturally Maybe you could just ask God, God, right now, can you gift me supernaturally to do what I cannot do on my own? In the name of Jesus, gift me Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, is there anybody in here thankful for the power, the presence, the availability of God? And I am. Hey, every head open, every head up, every eye open, every head open. Hopefully your heads are not closed. That'd be really weird. If you're in this place today and you, I'm going to ask you a couple questions. And then I want you to make a decision. First question is this. Do you feel like a new creature? Or do you just feel like a church creature? Second question is this, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Are you convinced that heaven is your home? See, because if you don't feel like you've been made new and you don't know where you're going to spend your eternity, then you have not given your life to Jesus Christ. And today, 
before, one of the things you gotta understand about the gifts of the Spirit is they, they come to people who have been redeemed by God, who have been saved by God, who have put their confidence in Jesus Christ. And today, there are some people in this room, you need to just simply be saved. You need to go from death to life. You need to become a new creature, and you need to seal for all of eternity your eternity. Amen? So I'm gonna ask you, if you would, when I count to three, if that's you, you'd say, I don't feel like a new creature and I don't know where I'm gonna spend my eternity. If that's you, I'm gonna count to three. And when I do, just throw your hand up in the air. And when you do, the entire room is gonna rejoice with you and we're gonna pray a prayer. And we're gonna believe that in these next few moments, God is gonna radically transform and change your life. He may have already begun to do it. In the book of Acts, you see people while the, the disciples are preaching, they didn't, even pray, they didn't even pray a prayer. All of a sudden, they were believing what was being preached, and the power of God fell on their lives, and they were saved. They were baptized. And the only thing that was left was getting in the waters of baptism. So today, if that's you, throw that hand up, okay? One, two, three. Throw it up if that's you. I don't know where I'm going to spend my eternity. I don't know where I'm going to... Anybody, anybody else? I want to feel like a new creature. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. Hey, and if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus in here and you say, I just, I've had an Acts chapter 2 experience, but I want another one. Yeah. Or maybe you're here and you say, I've never had that experience and I want my first one. Maybe you could throw your hands up right now and just say, that's me. That's me. I want that in my life. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave me your life. I give you mine. Take it all. Have your way. I repent of my sins. I confess you as Lord. Thank you for coming to live in me. Now, God, empower me for evangelism. In the name of Jesus, baptize me, immerse me, in the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I pray. And come on, the church shouted, amen. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hey, well, I love you. And if you need prayer, and especially if you raise your hand and you'd like for somebody to pray with you, for you, we'd love to meet you. We've got a team up front of incredible prayers and uh warriors in the kingdom, and we love them so much. We're thankful for their lives. So you can come and talk to them. We'd love to see you. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.